Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. It's the Gridiron Studs Show and the promo that's got the flow. Football knowledge from toe to toe with Amo, Talamino, and the other host. You already know Chad Wilson brings you the show. Dial us up. Give us a call. We're waiting here to talk some ball. 347-633-9365 is the number to call. So don't sit around. No time to stall. Giving you football from wall to wall. And now we give you our two hosts, Amo and Chad with your breakfast toast. Breakfast toast getting served here for you on a Thursday. It's the Gridiron Stud Show. Chad Wilson and Amo Calamino here with you for the next hour. Then I uh, kick Amo out and we bring in some college talk. But first of all, it's me and this guy. And we were killers on the Gridiron last week, college football. Were we not? Did we, we not destroyed nail it. a college we, football weekend? But we promised that. We did promise that. We destroyed it last week. Can we I did. tell the folks what we did when they missed it? Because, you know, some people, oh, yes, Mr. they don't believe it. Give them the numbers. Well, they don't believe it, you know. We tell them every year, listen, at worst, I mean, if you're, if you're doing this stuff, you might as well listen because at worst, you won't lose any money all year based on our track record. You know, we can, and we do it for free. So then this you're ahead true. of the game because you didn't pay some guy with a cheesy comb-over money and then lose money <laughs> on top of it. Uh, so you're ready? We were, we, were, we were both 3-0. Okay, and I'll, I'll yeah. recap it for the folks. Tell them your picks and mine. Uh, Chad mm-hmm. laid it out. He went with Illinois. And uh, mm-hmm. amazingly, with all the stuff that went on in Illinois, they still won by about 50 points. They were laying 14. That was an easy winner. Then he came back. The boys one got that, it done. Oh, they got it done. Then he had one that got me a little scared for a while, but then I saw them creep back into the game, and I had a feeling this is where it was going. Uh, Louisville walked right in the back door. Uh, made a game that initially looked like they might get blown out very close. Mm-hmm. And, uh, mm-hmm. frankly, you know, uh, both teams were a little sloppy in that game. I think Louisville will have a good season based on what I saw. They were getting ten and a half. They lost by seven, another winner. And then, finally, one where they won outright on a crazy play, but the game was over for the point, from a point spread perspective. You were a winner at this point anyway. Uh, BYU was catching six and a half at Nebraska. Uh, Nebraska did their best, uh, USC, my team from last year against Arizona State, mm. and forgot to defend a 50-yard pass on the last play of the game. And, uh, you know, kid from BYU catches it and uh, makes love to the referee afterwards. He couldn't believe it. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, basically, my picks might have made you a little nervous, but at the end of the day, it was a 3-0 and Listen, if you fell asleep on your couch and woke up, you were 3-0, and and that's really all that matters. So, then we come over to my side of the ledger. I started you off, and I told you, listen, 
Penn State shouldn't be laying seven points to anyone. And wow, was that never so true as yes, when you watched that there. game. Oh, man. Definitely. Temple plus seven. They won by 17. And frankly, uh, that's a team that, that was the longest winning streak in Division One versus an opponent going into that game. They were at mm-hmm. 31. I saw Whoa. Virginia. Yeah, Virginia had Maryland. One of them has beaten the other one like 29 in a row. And then USC mm-hmm. has beaten Oregon State 26 in a row. So that's it for that. That streak is over. Temple won outright by 17, catching seven. Then I... Once again, you didn't have to pay much attention to this game. I gave you Northwestern plus 12 at game time. Uh, it went off at 10 against Stanford. Uh, they won outright. Uh, that was mm-hmm. one you never really had to worry about. And I, my, that pick was not, you know, I had put aside my Pac-12 fandom and just realized I'm not a big believer in Kevin Hogan, and I'm really not a big believer when Kevin Hogan has to lay points, double digits on the road. So that was simply a situational pick for me. I saw Kevin Hogan laying 12 on the road in an opener. Yeah, Not uh, and it looked like a big, fat, juicy steak to you. So good job with that one. And then sure. finally, my this was my uh, pick uh, similar to your uh, Louisville pick. Uh, Virginia hung around a little while early. Then for a while it looked like, oh, man, they got outside the number. UCLA got a 34-9 lead. But at that point, you know, you've said, well, maybe I can get the back door and walk in it. And sure enough, uh, Virginia went down and threw one in there with three or four minutes left in the game. Final score of 34-16, UCLA, doesn't matter. Virginia was getting 19.5, so uh, you were 3-0 and there. So that's uh, that's 6-0, folks. I mean, if you, you, know, if you, yeah, have, if you um, struggle with math. Where are you going to go to get that kind of, uh, you know, solid action? So if you're not here tomorrow, okay, and we're on tomorrow at 10 a.m., if you're not here tomorrow to get both – our college football picks and NFL picks, then, you know, I don't really know what to say about you. You just don't – you got a problem with winning. You're just not into the whole winning thing. So Yeah, that some people do have a know, problem with winning. Yeah, well, there you go. All right, we got a show we need to put on here today, all the uh, braggadocio, if I could make up a word here, put aside. We got a show we got to put together here today. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit. Is the uh, you know the Patriots tarnished? Uh, you know, new reports coming out. They're constantly in trouble. The New England Patriots are constantly in the principal's office. This is just constant now. And uh, you know, here come the stories uh, to to go with it. So once again, there's more talk of what the Patriots have done. The little espionage on the rest of the league. We'll talk about that. Uh, FCS schools, should they be on the schedule? Uh, do you know there was a fight this weekend? Floyd Mayweather is fighting this weekend. <laughs> I heard people interested. I heard that on my direct TV when they were trying to sell me the pack, the, the fight for about 59 bucks or something like that, or maybe more. I don't even know. Yeah, let me tell you, my friend, they're having a hard time selling this. Um, should we be surprised by any of this? Should we I don't know. I think they could sell someone like you or me getting in there with him and taking a beating. People would be more interested to see how you know how bad he beats us up. <laughs> I'm telling you. Yeah, and you no, know we, what does this what, what does this mean though? Uh, this is this an indication to Floyd that he should retire, maybe or? Um, well, I don't think he's. You know, I, I think he has no intention of retiring because regardless, he's getting a big payday. So I mean, I, until until the money stops flowing. I don't think Floyd's going to Yeah, see, to that's him. the problem in that sport. You know, you can keep getting money in this thing, but at what expense, you know? Um, he could keep fighting until his skills have eroded because there's a whole market for him um, of losing fights because he's built himself up into this type of uh, person you want to hate 
there's a whole market for him where he can fight about three or four times in a row and lose, and people will pile in there to see it just out of sheer delight. But is that good for him is the question. Well, I, I'm going to probably piss a few whatever, however many are left, boxing fans off if they're listening. But here's the thing I view boxing. To me, it's somewhere between a real sport like football, basketball, or baseball, hockey, and a fake sport like wrestling. Because when you look at boxing, it's the one sport where you basically get to pick your opponent. I mean, I would think about it. <laughs> the New York Yankees show up. Next week, the Yankees look, they say, hey, we're a game behind Toronto. So you know what? We'd love to schedule the Phillies and the A's for, for seven next week. I mean, you can't well, do that in other sports. That's an interesting take. Um, as with anything else, though, the, there are some parameters on your picking. I mean, if you pick all tomato cans, you're not going to make uh, of money. Of course, so there but, is, but you, there, you there's know, some like limitations. Said, remember Mick Rock? Yeah. They were handpicked for you. They was bummed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Remember uh, Rocky Three when Clubber yeah, Lane no, no, beat that's, him? That's a goes, that's a David Burgess, Burgess Meredith. For you, kid. Um, yeah, they was you know, bombed. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> Outstanding there by you, by the way. Do you do anyone else? You know, perhaps we need a whole. Hey, oh, yeah. hey, what are you talking about, Mick? I, we trained. We won. We look at the house. I mean, this is fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> Good grief. Uh, it would take it would take a guy from Pennsylvania to be able to do a damn Mick and uh, you know, I Rocky do, impression. You, you, we could do an hour of me having a conversation with myself and Mick and Rocky, okay? Yeah, he's here all week, folks. All right, he'll be here all week. All right, uh, well, so much for that. Mayweather's fighting. I'm not buying. Didn't, um, you know, I'm, I've, I've gone on on this show about Floyd Mayweather. Uh, love the businessman, Floyd Mayweather. I could care less about his boxing style in the ring. So unless you've got a big old name in there with him, I guess people just really aren't um, at all interested. At well, you and I here, seem so. to like a lot of things the same as the audience knows with things, and it's not intentional, but I like my boxing like you. I mean, I mean probably like most people, I'm thinking, I like to see two guys hit each other. And see, I, I don't understand the... And I understand, you know, the purists who try to tell you, oh, look at the skill he dodges. It's the sweet science. Yeah. Shut the hell up with Shut that the hell garbage, up. man. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm here Running to watch Ali Frazier. That's what been. I want to yeah. see. Give me Ali Frazier. Yeah. And, and, you know, I'd rather watch that today, even though I know what happened. I'd rather put that on than watch a Floyd Mayweather fight. Right. It's, uh, you know, these sweet science people really kill me. Please uh, sit the hell down with that. It's boxing, which would involve some type of hand-to-hand emphasis on the word combat. Yes, should you slip punches? Yes. It doesn't mean I'm I'm not calling for, and I'm sure you're not calling for, uh, two guys to stand there in the middle of the ring and punch each other's face in. Yes, I do like to see a guy avoid punches. But when your entire game is about avoiding punches and then throwing a punch and running around the ring and then throwing another punch, that's not the sweet signs of anything other than I'm scared as hell. That's no, I mean, exactly so, right. R- listen, Ray Leonard, Sugar Ray was was an, an artist in the ring as far as dodging punches, mm-hmm. but he also hit you. I mean, he hit your yeah. ass after he dodged the punch. I mean, Yeah, he'd absolutely right? put something together and put it on you. So, uh, you know, these people coming with the whole sweet science thing can really just go sit the hell down somewhere. I don't want to hear any of that. How about this? Dana Holkerson. I mean, you know, there's people that should speak out on this matter. 
many of them in college football, many, many head coaches who should speak out on it. I didn't really have Dana Holkerson, the head coach of West Virginia, in this group. But nevertheless, he's one to come out and say there should be no more FCS schools on FBS teams' schedule. Do you agree or disagree with well, that? Well, wait, why you like that, not because it's insightful. You give him credit for having the balls to say it. Because, I mean, I mean, let's face it, you and I have said that and others for years now. I mean, I don't understand how you can play a school <clears throat> essentially in a separate division and then count it as a win on your record. I, I, I don't get that. Um, yeah, I, I get it. I, let me. Look, how about this, though? There are many FCS schools. Let me not say many. Quite a few FCS schools that could beat some FBS schools. So you could pile up your schedule with the lower-tiered FBS schools, and would that be any different than anything going on in the FCS? Well, when you think about it, when there's a few. Though, when's the last time one of those lower-tiered FBS schools pulled an upset against you know, one of the power. Well, we have to look, but let's be honest. There's a few schools. We could name them, and, and I'm no, you know, expert on, on FCS, but, I mean, I know enough to know that, yes, Eastern Washington's got a good club, North Dakota State, Appalachian mm-hmm. State. I mean, yeah, there's a handful. There's eight or ten. But when we're talking about it, normally they're beating a team that's also a lower-level FBS school. So, for instance, Washington State lost to Portland State. You know, sorry, mm-hmm. sorry, Washington State fans, if any of you are out there, I had to mention that, but they did. Um, mm-hmm. When Appalachian beat Michigan, Michigan was no juggernaut. I mean, you look, if you're in a top 25, usually top 30 uh, mm-hmm. FBS school, you're not losing to one of those schools. Even last year when Florida lost. I mean, Florida, you know, we know, and you know specifically, you you know, you pay more attention because of your son. They've been having their mm-hmm. troubles. Now, hopefully this year they turned around, mm-hmm. but they've been struggling. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So, I mean, all right, am I cool then if uh, I go out there and I pile in the Troys, Louisiana, Lafayette, New Mexico states, and Texas states and all that? If I no, pile well, all those No, in you're there, not cool, good? but to me, you're, at least you're playing inside your division. If those other schools want to move up, listen, I understand there's arguments to be made, and I know you've, you've pointed out a few good ones over the years. For some of those kids, that's a thrill to say that, hey, we, we, we even like, you know, you take a team – that loses one of those games. You know, that's a thrill to say, you know, we played Oregon last week if you're at Eastern Washington. Those kids will mm. remember that a lot of them forever. I get that. Mm. And I get the payday thing. But I think what he's trying to say is, you know, over time where we're headed, you want to get away from that. And, yes, you want to schedule more Power 5. So to your point, yeah, you kind of want to stay away from Texas State. I, I get that too. But – do you understand you know, think, what the Do you understand what the answer to that would be if that somehow came? Yes, into well, we, we've already laid out a power sixty four. That would be the real answer, and you play within that, and everybody else has their own sweet time. You know, the other schools that want to call themselves. Uh, well, one. you know, I think that's I think that's kind of far away. So what we're going to get in the interim is a run on those kind of teams that I just named. Everyone will be trying to line up those guys, uh, the lower tiered FBS schools. Well, listen, face I don't it, have a problem to... with playing. I don't have a problem with playing one of them because we'll, let's be fair. Here we have no preseason in college football. You know, you have your training camp, you hit yourselves for a few weeks, and you run out and play some games. It's not like the NFL where they're, they're in camp for six weeks. They play a few preseason games. The starters get in some plays. You have none of that in college, so I'm okay if you want to line one of those guys up first game of the year and play them. I get that. I mean, and they want a payday. I understand that. 
But what you and I are going to rail on this later in the season, and you know you're going to be on my side of the fence with this. November is going to roll around, and there's going to be a second or third week in November. We're going to look at the schedule, and these SEC teams are all going to roll in some FCS and lower-level FBS teams, and we're going to be scratching our heads saying, what are you doing? I mean, Uncle well, Tennessee is- Martin is rolling into Arkansas on October 31st. Shouldn't, shouldn't Uncle Tennessee Martin be, be, be playing Arkansas like now? <laughs> I especially hate when – all right, I, I'll give you that. I don't want to see that in the middle to it or the end of the season. Not at all do I want to see that. I'll, I'll give you that. No, you'd have to um, lie out your ass to tell the audience that you want to see that. No, no, I don't, I don't want to see that at that point in the season. I will. I, a couple of things, though. I feel like we're always going to have crying in college football because let's say we did something like no, uh, no more FCS schools on your schedule. And they tried to organize some kind of scheduling where they say the Atlantic – division of the ACC this year will play the uh, Big Ten West, you know, kind of like what they do in the NFL. You're going to have those crybabies out there that are going to say that if anyone in the Big Ten West made it into the playoffs and say, oh, well, you know, the ACC Atlantic division was weak this year. That's why uh, there's always going to be some belly aching because it's not the NFL and it's not – uh, an equal grab for talent like you had a draft. We all know that that's not the case. We all know that um, Pitt has no chance in hell of recruiting on the level of an Alabama. And there's some organization in the NFL where, you know, you do have a draft. you got sure. equal a chance. As and you have a salary cap. You have, all, you have everything in place to try to make the competition even. And even in the NFL last year, people were belly aching because I believe it was the AFC North uh, played the NFC South, which might have been the worst division in the history of football. They can't help it. That was the rotation. And I agree with you. To your point, there is, here's the way I kind of view college football, generally speaking. though. The NFL, we've talked about this. You lose games in the NFL situationally. You know in the NFL the best teams are only going to win 12 of the 16 games. College, you got 12 games before the playoffs. You try to put your best foot forward every week, and honestly – most years you can do the eyeball test and you know who the three or four or five best teams are. Just because if you watch enough football, you let the season play out. And at the end of the year, you can sit down and look and say, I watched these these games and these five teams are really, really good. And I don't care who they're mm-hmm. playing. Now, granted, you need mm-hmm. some tests during the year. I get your point, And I don't know what the answer is. I think eventually the answer will be, and I don't know when it will happen, that you will organize college football into four 16-team divisions regionally, and that and that'll be your it, teams. That it, play. it would be nice. Um, you know, I did go through. If you can remember, I, did, I think I did this two years ago and put every all 120 Division One FBS teams into conferences and divisions. Uh, put a lot of work into that. Seemed to yep. make sense for me. So. Uh, that is out there. It'd be nice if they did something like that. I would not hold my breath. And so we're, I just think we're always going to have belly aching and crying in the, the game of college football. Well, wait, before we get off the another. subject, I had to mention uh, Brett Bielema down at Arkansas, to your point. Yeah. For some reason, felt like calling out Ohio State, you know. And Yeah, well, and he's, he been was always, unkind to the, he's been unkind to the Big Ten since he's left it, have you noticed? Well, he was never one of my – yes, he has been. He was never one of my favorites, even when he was at Wisconsin. You know, I mean, um, you know, I, I think he's a little bit of a jerk, frankly. But I'm looking at his schedule, and, you know, I'm saying, well, okay, Brett, you play UTEP, fine. Mm-hmm. You play Toledo, 
Okay. Uh, you got Texas Tech rolling in, and then you got Uncle Tennessee Martin in October. I mean, listen, three of those teams, granted, are Division One teams. But yeah, he really wasn't the one to step out on this. Even no, though, I mean, there's know, no Wisconsin. I mean, if, if maybe if Nick Saban wanted to say something, I'd say, well, Nick. Nick lined up Wisconsin in the opener this year. Last year, I forget who they played, but they played West Virginia maybe. Um, next year, he's playing USC. So if Nick wants to say something, I, I'm cool with Nick. But, but Brett, uh, not so sure. Uh, well, it makes for a great soundbite. All right, we got to take off and hit our first break here. But when we come back, it's NFL time. There is an NFL football game happening tonight, okay? There's NFL is back tonight, baby, and we're kicking it off with a good one. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about some other issues in the NFL when we get back on the Gridiron Stud Show right after this. The New England Patriots, 
that will be manned by one Tom Brady. Uh, who saw that coming? He was supposed to be on the bench, man. There's supposed to be some dude named Garoppolo at the controls, but here we are. No, well, wait a second now. Wait a second. Deep down, deep down inside. I mean, I want you to dig deep into your heart. Did you really think Thursday night was coming? The, the opener for the league with the defending Super Bowl champs, and we were going to see some kid from the Sopranos playing quarterback? Quite honestly, man, if I'm being honest, yes. I thought. I, 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 thought I, 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 I mean, I'm not I thought, just saying this to sound smart. I just never did. I, I always had a feeling where this was headed was somehow Brady Brady beat the rap. I didn't expect to see him um, play in this game. Did I think there would be a reduction? Yes. But now when it came to when – when, when I came to learn, which uh, was maybe uh, right before this whole hearing came, that it was either no games or four games, then I started sliding to the side of, okay, um, this guy m- might beat this whole thing. But I thought they would – because well, there's precedent for that, where guys are suspended six games and then they appeal it down to four. And it, we, I've seen that before in this league. Um, I don't know if I've seen anything quite like this, where a guy just walks the hell out totally and completely Here, free. Here's, so I didn't here's where I want to take this conversation for a second, because I think this is the maybe. And you could tell me if you think I'm off. I think there's a larger issue, and the reason I thought that it would be wiped away and he'd play. The NFL used to be a league of rules, and they followed their own rules very well. I mean, they got to be the biggest sports league in the United States, and pretty close to the biggest one in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, they've slowly, to give you an analogy, become more like the NCAA. They kind of make up rules as they go along. And that's mm-hmm. when you get yourself in trouble in life. You know, you may not like the speed limit over near your house, and it may be 60. If you drive down there 80 and the cop pulls you over and you tell him, well, I don't like 60, so I'm going to go 80, he's still going to mm-hmm. write your ass a ticket. Yeah, not going to ride too well. Not, right. Not at all. The way to fix so, it is if you think that the road can handle 80, well, then you need to go and petition whoever the powers to be there are to pass a law. And someday, if you're lucky and they make it 80, you can drive 80. The NFL used to do that. and if, But what they've done is they've ceded to public opinion. So in order to look good, okay, they do things that aren't within the letters of their collective bargaining agreement. There's been a lot of cases in the last couple of years. Look at the Hardy situation. All of a sudden, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Goodell yeah, says, you I know knew what? This. I knew this was coming up, but go I'll ahead. pick other ones. I just that one was egregious because the guy. Listen, what he did was probably wrong. I, I say probably because he wasn't convicted, but I'm going to guess something happened there just by what I've read. He missed 15 games the prior year. They said, well, you really weren't didn't suffer any financial uh, harm because you got paid. Well, he did because mm-hmm. it cost him a big contract. Okay, so he did mm-hmm. suffer financial harm. Then they say, well, on top of sitting out the 15, now we're going to suspend you for 10. There's no precedent for that. So mm-hmm. true. It, what happens? It gets reduced. So when I saw the Brady thing, I said, sure, do, you and I have talked about this. Do I think Brady knew about that? Oh, do I think he knew about that? I also think he has right. the best attorneys in the world, or some of them. And they looked and said, mm-hmm. well, what's the precedent for this? Where, where is mm-hmm. this that you mm-hmm. should be suspended for eight games or whatever the initial one was? It got reduced to four. Well, let's ask this. Let's ask this question real quick. All right, because uh, as I said in the opening segment, uh, the Patriots have been in the principal's office quite a bit. So, with the stories that's come out later, which has gone a little bit more in depth to the 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 level at which they have, uh, do I don't know if I want to use the word cheated, but uh, you know, 
done some things that might be frowned upon, like sneaking into visiting teams' locker rooms, stealing plays, or stealing their opening, you know, script uh, that has the plays on it, uh, filming practices, and every all everything else they've done. Is, is their dynasty tarnished? Because I have an opinion on that. Is it tarnished in your opinion? Well, you know, I'm trying to, you know, I mean, I know we'll talk, well, let's weave it all into one, you know, because you're going to bring up Richard Sherman. Richard Sherman doesn't think it's cheating. I mean, his point is, mm-hmm. and I like Richard Sherman. I think he's a very smart guy. Uh, he's a great mm-hmm. interview, intelligent. So I look at Sherman, he says, well, you know, if he didn't get caught, it's not cheating. You know, you still had to execute the place. And to mm-hmm. some extent, of course, he's right about that. But I also think, you know, when the old Raiders used to say, if you don't, if you, if you, you know, if you're not cheating, you're not trying hard enough, and if you, if, it's, if you don't get caught, it ain't cheating. They were talking mm-hmm. about a lot of times holding a, a tackle, uh, you know, getting the jersey the right way, or stick and stick them all over your hands where you walk on the field and it's dripping all over mm-hmm. you, and everybody can see it. I think you're <laughs> kind of rising to a new level when, uh-huh. when you're talking about espionage. I mean, you're mm-hmm. kind of, you're kind of rising to the level of, you know. Uh, Chad Chad's computer company breaks into Amel's computer company's offices and steals our trade mm-hmm. secrets. So yeah, yeah I, I don't guess know. I'm I'm a, I'm, I might, I'm a little torn. A part of me kind of agrees with Richard Sherman, the football player in me, the football coach in me. Is like, okay, if you watch film, you know what a guy's plays are. Stealing their playbook doesn't really do anything for you. You can see the damn plays on film. You know what the deal is. Um, it's another thing to know when plays are coming. So if you're stealing the opening script and you've got the first 10 or 15 plays, you can make some very deliberate moves defensively to stop those plays and within the first three series get yourself a punt or, you know, uh, a turnover and really change the complexion of the game. There's, there's that part of it. And then you got to ask yourself what are the levels of – If I would if you know, I know your audibles? You, you play defense. What if, what if I know – all the keys. I don't know. Audible. Audibles get stolen on a regular, man. It's kind they of like do, a baseball. They do, but what if, what if I know them in advance? I don't even have to work at stealing them during the game. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, yeah, you're right. I know when but, you go but, Omaha, I know what you're checking to. Does that help a little bit? <laughs> I think everyone knows Omaha at this point. But I'm saying, does that uh, help? <laughs> I know it it will help. Yeah, no doubt. If I if I'm a cornerback and I know the slant's coming, uh, that's really good intel. Okay, it's really good intel for me if I'm in some type of man coverage or something like that. And let me yeah, tell you, Chad, there's a difference intel. between you think the slant is coming and you know the slant is coming. In other words, if True. you're doing your work, studying film, you say I think it's coming. There's still a, a millisecond of hesitation. If if you definitely um, and then know, there's it's a coming. part though too, Amol, of me that wonders. Do other teams do things like this? Are we just on the Patriots because they're winning? They're you know they're they're winning, so everyone wants to take a look at it because there is a part in the story too where uh, I believe it was the Dolphins or some other teams would put leave out a dummy script. But this is hilarious to me, by the way. <laughs> they put a dummy script out there for the Patriots to come in there and steal it. It's just it's hilarious. So. Why would you why would you do that? Why would you suspect a team of doing that? Why would you suspect a team of stealing your script? Possibly it could be because you've tried to do some crap like that. Well, so, you're probably right. And and you know, I'm not going to sit here and pretend I know the answer. It's a very good question and I'm not sure we'll ever get a straight answer on that. But listen, the bottom line is this, they won four Super Bowls. Tarnished or not, they won them. They obviously are a well-run organization. Anybody who doesn't agree on that just either doesn't know anything about football or has so much hate in their heart for the Patriots, they just can't see that. Mm. So I think mm. at some point you just move on from this. Um, 
you, you know, history and people can judge them how they want to. You know, everybody's going to have a different take. You'll have haters mm. that, regardless of this, hate the Patriots. Yeah, but, maybe there'll be some asterisks. Maybe there'll be people that want to bring this up, man. I, I was overwhelmed with this thought driving home yesterday, listening to talk radio. As they, I laid out some of the things that the Patriots are being accused of. But, man, Bill Belichick couldn't win a damn thing till he got to New England. So did he, like, get really good at cheating or what is that? And so the fact he that met I Tom Brady, kind of that's what it's called. He met Tom Brady. Uh, was that what it was? Uh, I don't know. Let me ask you this. Know, Tom Brady was I, a I truly believe pick, this. Man, I know. think Belichick's a really good coach, but I think the NFL's littered with, with some really good coaches, okay? Hmm. You know, I forget which guy said this. It could have, you know, everybody likes to give it to John Wooden. So let's say John Wooden, because he had some great quotes. But it, I think it was him that said, you know, yeah, I'm a really good coach because I have really good players. Mm-hmm. Um, and, that's true, too, but I'm going to say it again. They're good players all over the league. There's a reason why these guys are winning. We do have some callers, though, that need to, that might want to weigh in on are the Patriots bastards or not. Caller, you're on the Gridiron Stud Show. Hey, is this me? Are, yeah, are you talking you. to me? You're up. Yeah, we're talking you're on, to you. Man. All right, Chad, on you, how you doing, Emil? Hey, how are you? Good. This is Joe in Scranton, and a happy first day of the NFL season. Hey, Joe, how hey, are you? Li- Before you launch into your topic here, Joe, you know, you're from Pennsylvania, and my man here, who's also from Pennsylvania, Scranton, uh, right? seemed to be able to do a pretty good Mick and Rocky impression. <laughs> do you, all you folks out in Pennsylvania, can you all do a Rocky impression and a pretty good Mick? He'll knock you to tomorrow Joe, impression? I, 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 you know what? I think it's best <laughs> if you're not sure you can do impressions, then it's best not to do impressions. Just leave them alone. Just to try them out right. on radio, yeah. Chad, I know oh, Joe. Joe does a lot of sports up here and sports talk and covers you know a lot of local high school sports for decades. So Joe knows this stuff. <laughs> good well, good yeah, man. I, All right, Joe, what do you got for us? I think that the rest of the league is just so screwed up in the head over the Patriots now. This mm-hmm. is the best mm-hmm. chance for the Patriots to come and repeat Super Bowl because everyone is looking over their back, uh, looking over their shoulders, and, 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 and just trying to figure out how are they cheating? How are they stealing my stuff? And as far as stealing the, the plays and the scripts, it, mm-hmm. it's easy. Two different things. I, a, it's digital. Be digital. Don't mm-hmm. leave papers around. And second, it's... <laughs> Good point. It, it, very, it, very, very simple. <laughs> If you How about are, you keep the script tucked? Hey, I know some coaches that tuck that damn script down near their balls, and you're not getting it out of there unless, you know, you're some kind of hooker that's getting $20. <laughs> so why that's left the hell out, I have no idea, but nevertheless. Exactly. And if it does slip out, if they do, or if they are old school and go the pencil and paper or marker and paper route, then send the guy that normally deflates the balls to Staples <laughs> to pick up a shredder at twenty nine ninety nine and 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 fix the whole thing. Joe, I think I think you, I think you just hit a great point. You know what? The Patriots I believe Kraft isn't real happy about this. But if you're mm-hmm. if you're Belichick, he's such a mad scientist, I think he loves that he's in people's heads. I, I oh, think Oh he he's renting some space in there. I really think if they want to really, really get in people's heads they should have the help staff start showing up to these games in, like, real gangster wear. I'm talking hats, 
gold chains just look like the mob when they walk in there and have people like, what the hell are these guys going to do today? Are they deflating balls? Are they stealing plays? What are they going to do? Are they taking helmets from us? My God. And then you forget about that there's a good football team you got to go play against uh, for 60 minutes on the gridiron. Hey, you with me on that, the guys on the side, Get a few of the guys on the sideline to pick up some old direct TV dishes and just stand there with the dishes pointing on the other sideline. Well, wait a and second, Joe. You're making a joke. The NFL might do that just to get some, some, some ad revenue, okay? So they might have guys stand there anyway. I don't think it could work out any better that the Patriots are playing uh, on the first of the of, of the year. Of course, they're the Super Bowl champions, but with everything mm. that's happened during the offseason, uh, this is going to be a huge number tonight for NBC. I think people are going to be tuning in. Uh, three quarters of them to see the Patriots lose and root against them, and, and one quarter of them because they're the Super Bowl champions and want to see how Tom Brady does. Well, we're going to put you on the spot, Joe. Give us a pick tonight. We'll give, what's oh, your I pick? Think the, I think the Patriots win. I think the mm-hmm. Patriots Big? win 24-17. Uh, 20, okay, good. So there you go. There you go. Right, on, right on the number. But to, well, one well other Joe, thing. man, you had Tonight, you had uh, tears you had tears rolling out of my eyes. There, so you definitely got to call. You definitely got to call other, more, man. One other thing: tonight's game uh-huh. has yes. the running back from New England and the running uh-huh. back from Pittsburgh suspended for the same crime. Well, it's not a crime, but the, the same the same reason. Were they smoking a little weed? Is that what they're both? Well, I think they, they were smoking they were together. Smoking together. How good is it? How good is it when, when Blunt is rolling a blunt? Well, when Blunt and Bell were traveling to the airport to get oh, the Steelers' man. flight to Philadelphia last year for the uh, preseason game, and that's when they were pulled over. Oh well, yeah. So, and, they're hey, both, so, and they're both sitting. Ain't that something? And they're both and mean, meanwhile, the, the guy who let tonight? the air out of the balls is going to be uh, out there, front and center, somewhere. I don't know that just well, He's going to be at right. Staples. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there right. you go. Well, Joe, thanks man, for thanks calling, for call, Joe. Man. You got you got to call more often. Appreciate you. Uh, all right, take care. All right, man. That was a classic call. Oh, he's I mean, a like, funny guy. Listen, he does a lot of high school games up here. I mean, he does play by play. He, he must be. He sounds like a really live wire, man. That would. How about if the Patriot help staff just sat there with, I don't know, like a radar gun and just pointed it at individual players? You think the other team would lose their mind? Just do crazy stuff like that. Listen, I think there's two people in this country that are happy about the Patriots, and it's George Bush and Dick Cheney because they've been living in rent-free in people's minds for years, and I think that these oh, guys man. have just taken that space from them. Yeah, I mean it's just uh yeah, they're they're in there. There's no doubt about it. All right, from one great caller to another. My man Les, what do you got for us? What's happening? What's happening? Hey Les. What's happening, man? What's going on What's with on, you? Man, well we got day, we got man. NFL tonight. We we definitely we definitely have uh, the NFL is back. What are your thoughts on how it's gonna go down tonight? Uh, you know, it's a typical you know, Thursday night, New England Patriots win. Um, Roger mm-hmm. Goodell won't show up because he don't want to be considered the buddy that mm-hmm. lets some guys cheat. So, uh, you know, New England should pull it out. I mean, it may be closer than most people most people predict. Um, You're breaking up there a little bit, man. Must be in one of those Arizona storms. 
Either, either that, or he's with Blunt and Bell doing something. I mean, man, yeah. that sounds like. <laughs> Let's hope not. All right, man. Les, having a little problem with your phone, man. See if you could call us back. All right, this seems like a good uh, point in time to take a break here. We're gonna jump in, take a break. When we get back, it's college football time here on the Gridiron Stud Show. Uh, there's some football coming on tonight, and uh, there's a couple of other things we could jump into in the college football arena we're doing that and more when we get back on the gridiron stud show right after this hey 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 do you love fantasy sports do you love money do you love excitement well, get ready, because you may have found your heaven. FanDuel has combined all of these great things into one amazing website. Turn your love for sports into money and excitement with one week and even one day fantasy leagues with a chance for enormous payouts. FanDuel pays out over $10 million in winnings weekly to its members. That's right, $10 million. One member has made over 600000 playing in their league. Another customer entered a one-day contest for $25 and get this, cashed out $25,000 that day. FanDuel even offers a 100% money-back guarantee. Sign up now and join a league. If you don't absolutely love it, they'll give you your money back. You can enter leagues for as little as $1. For a limited time, FanDuel is offering a 100% deposit match bonus to Gridiron Stud Show listeners. That's right, they'll match your initial deposit all the way up to $200. What more can you ask for? Just head over to FanDuel.com right now and enter the promo code GRIDIRONSTUDS when you sign up. But you better hurry. The match bonus is going to end soon. Just head over to FanDuel.com and enter the promo code GRIDIRONSTUDS. Do it now! Cause you play, you can play defense. You can be all American. I'm athlete now. You're actually, I can do it now. You can do it now. Yeah, I can do it. I'm trying to focus on my position running by. And I know she'll be the death of me. At least we'll both be numb. And she'll always get the best of me. The worst is yet to come. But at least we'll both be beautiful and stay forever young. This I know. 1041 here on the Gridiron Stud Show. Chad Wilson, Amo Calamino. Having a good time here talking some uh, NFL football. NFL is back tonight. Pittsburgh taking on New England. Uh, I'd be remiss if we didn't touch on – got to touch on fantasy football. has absolutely taken over. Uh, the the country, I don't know, Emil, you you've played fantasy football, the season-long fantasy football. How do you feel about the single-day fantasy football that's going on with places like FanDuel and DraftKings? Uh, I'm not against it, necessarily. I'm not into it. Um, I, I think eventually, unfortunately for those guys, our government and their infinite wisdom, rather than figuring out a way to tax it and just make it legal, will figure out a way to make it illegal. Um mm. It's you know I know that the argument is it's a game of of skill you know and versus mm-hmm. chance but at the end of the day you know we saw how that went with poker which is also a game of skill. <laughs> yeah yeah um, and uh, you know 
history tells us that it's probably going to head in that direction. Well, well nevertheless, it's big. Game- Look at the commercials. I mean, they're handing out millions of dollars. Our government wouldn't be smart enough to say, "Man, we could get, we could just enjoy this, let it get bigger, and tax it." No, 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 no. That, I don't see that happening. Yeah, well, I mean, aren't these places? Paying some taxes though. They are. That's the what difference I'm saying. between them. I mean, you would think the difference you think between you... them though and the poker. All right, like the poker and the sports book stuff, they're all offshore. So that was a bit of a problem for them. These places are operating in the U.S., so they they, they should be paying some sort of taxes. If I'm not. Well, no, you know, they are. I'm sure, but I'm saying the poker could have been coming to, if, if they embraced it. You'd have poker here. It wouldn't just be offshore. I mean, it was offshore because it was never embraced. But then here. you have the long-term gambling thing. Like that's been considered gambling forever, and we're still attached to the mob. And and yeah, I understand. Those. But this, let's face it. You you know this. I mean. This, 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 these fantasy leagues are gambling. I mean, there's fantasy leagues in in, in cities like Vegas where you legit fantasy leagues where buy-ins are ten and twenty thousand dollars, and you're paying hundreds of dollars per transaction, and the money that you can win is enormous. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I mean, yeah, it's all. Well, I mean, we, it's just how you, it's just how how you society defines it. I mean, the stock market essentially is gambling. I mean, you know that you were in the. If it was as simple as looking at a financial statement and saying this company's rock solid, it's going to grow seven percent, mm-hmm. then then it, then then your CPA would be the richest guy in the world looking at financial statements. But the market well, listen, is based man, on at this perception. point, Emil, let's just be honest. Anything involving uh, making some kind of money or any type of speculation is gambling at this point uh, in our day and age. All right. Well, nevertheless, you know, we but no, I'm not into the one day leagues. The, I think the, I, I like the ones where you play. You know, you play all season if I'm going to play, and you get a record, and I, it's more fun to me. It's just it's it's entertainment. Yeah, I haven't gotten to the full season things because um, I'm probably going to miss a week. I'm going to do something stupid like that. So I've dabbled a little bit more into the one-day leagues. But whether you got a one-day league or a full-season league, there's a full slate of games this week. So let's talk a little bit about perhaps some fantasy must-haves in the NFL this weekend. Um what what are you throwing out there? I'm going to throw this one out because, you know, for your one-day guys, um, there's probably a good value on this. Uh, you know, I've spoken about Joe Flacco. He's, it, in my opinion, overrated. He's going to go up against the Denver Broncos. And, uh, you know, I don't know how people feel about this, and we'll do NFL picks tomorrow. But I think Baltimore's got a good chance of going in there and doing something. Uh, there's a very good chance that Flacco could and the Ravens could find themselves behind because that can happen against a Denver Broncos team going up against Peyton Manning. So probably some opportunities for him to throw the ball around. So I kind of like Joe Flacco as a quarterback this weekend. Hmm, that's an interesting pick, and I, you know, I could see that. I mean, he, you know, he he's played well there before, and hmm. uh, you know, I don't, you know, I mean, I could see that and being behind and you know, throw the ball. Um, hmm. I I would say that's a good pick. I mean, I. I there's two guys I like this week in the early game at a running back. I, I like mm-hmm. Eddie Lacy, believe it or not. Um, mm-hmm. Unless the Bears and you like, did, you like Eddie Why? Well, unless the Bears did something to their run defense that I'm unaware of, it's been atrocious for about two seasons now. And until they show me it's not atrocious, I'm going mm-hmm. against it. If I'm in a league, and Lacy's been on the, you know, he's been on the rise. He was great last mm-hmm. year. Um, I think mm-hmm. Green Bay may lean on him a little early. Mm-hmm. As they work through the whole Jordy Nelson thing, not to suggest that Rodgers can't throw the ball, but they may right. uh, beat on the Bears early in that game, soften them up, and then let Rodgers pick them apart. And then from a mm-hmm. quarterback perspective, I-, I like Romo against the Giants. I- I- the Giants' okay. back end is-, is in trouble. I mean, the Giants really have issues at linebacker and, and defensive back, and 
uh, to me that doesn't Would you be well. concerned at all with Dallas really trying to establish the run and trying to show everyone where, you know, we're, no, we're fine without No, because you're going to get your points from touchdowns and, and big plays. And I, while he may not throw the ball 50 times, I, I think he can have a very efficient 30 throws. I mean, there's a guy that completed, what, 70% of his passes last year. So if he's 22 of 30 for 275 and three touchdowns, it's still a big day fantasy-wise. And I think I think that you can get some plays, big plays against the Giants this year. Well, I've got a, I've got a couple that I do like um, also. Um, listen, we've talked ad nauseum about Philadelphia and how they go about playing football there with Chip Kelly. So even though you might pay a little, you know, you might pay a pretty penny for this guy, I like Julio Jones simply because he's going to be on the field more than probably any other receiver this weekend going up against Philadelphia because Philadelphia is going to have their defense out there for quite some time. Philadelphia's corners were probably the worst tandem I've seen uh, in quite some time, maybe ever in this But are you saying that now, even with Maxwell there? Uh, I don't, I'm not a big Maxwell believer. I, I want to believe that Maxwell was really a product of the entire environment on defense there for Seattle. He will not be in that when he gets to Philadelphia. It'll be a totally different field. So even when you're bringing in some new guys in there, um, schematically, I just hated what Philadelphia did in their back end this year, and I don't know that any of that's going to change. And they're going to have a bunch of guys out there. And even if you're schematically right, Julio Jones can rip you apart. So if you're going to give him more opportunities to be out on the field, Julio Jones is a guy that I like. Another wide receiver that I do like is Jarvis Landry. Uh, many Anyone down here knows it. He's uh, probably the guy that the Dolphins are going to throw the most balls to this year, and he's going against a train wreck of a team known as the Washington Redskins. Yeah. You've heard of those guys? Good, yeah, no, I, yeah. That's, that's a good pick. Yeah, I don't know how good Washington's going to be on offense, so I think that's a whole lot of opportunities for the Dolphins to be out on the field. And I, I like Jarvis Landry, who's going to be the most sought-after guy by Ryan Tannehill. So that's two guys. You got any more guys you like this weekend? No, you know what? We'll, 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 I know we want to touch on some college. Why don't we save a little of that for tomorrow? We're gonna, I know we're going to do more, much more NFL tomorrow with our picks. And, uh, you know, as we're doing our picks, we can talk about – Guys in the games with some fantasy tips with the picks, maybe because there's some. Sounds there's good. Definitely... And we could get we can get a little idea off of uh, how things are going to flow after. I will say this: what's we... astonishing to me is the difference in opinion between our show, you and me, because we kind of share the same opinion mm-hmm. of the Eagles and Chip Kelly, and what I've read from some national columnists at like FoxSports.com. I think it was Pete Schrager uh, that mm-hmm. has the Eagles winning the NFC now. I mean, so one of the us entire is going to be, like the yes, whole thing, like the yes, East the whole thing. The whole one of us is going to be really this. smart. You know, either we're going to sound really smart or we're going to sound really dumb, and he's going to or vice versa. You have versa people that are putting the Eagles in the Super Bowl. I'll send you the article. Beating later. the Packers and the Seahawks and all those, really? Yes. Yes. Wow. Oh, sounds like. I mean, I just don't. See, I don't see it. I mean, maybe I'm sponsored just blind. by Southern Comfort or what uh, the hell. I don't see it because, I mean, again, I don't see the defense being what it needs to be. And uh, they have a guy playing with a shoestring in his knee right now who turned white when Terrell Shrugs. I mean, I told you, that game in preseason when Shrugs hit, Suggs hit him, yeah. he was whiter than his jersey, Sam Bradford. <laughs> he looked like he saw a goal. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and was – so complaining about it. It's just yeah. all right. I would. I I wanted to talk about college football tonight, but uh, not much there. Louisiana Tech is taking on Western Kentucky. If there's any kind of uh, an angle or anything there, 
Uh, Louisiana Tech does feature former Florida Gators quarterback Jeff Driscoll, who was quite good last week and one half a play. I want to say he threw three touchdowns, 274 yards. Uh, something I don't know that he ever did as a quarterback in four quarters at Florida. Um, some slap doesn't matter because even at Florida, when you're Florida and you played against teams that weren't so great, Jeff Driscoll never had a day like that. So you have some Gator fans that have been going back and forth on it. Uh, it's Muschamp's fault that he was like that. Look at what he is, and there's others like uh, he's uh, he played against a bum. So you've got that back and forth, and then there's. Western Kentucky went out and handed Vanderbilt a loss last week, and they're very, very offensive. So if you're in the offense, I think you're going to see a bunch of it tonight. Agree or disagree on that? No, no. You should see them going up and down the field tonight. So if you just want to be entertained, it's probably a good place to uh, turn your attention. But I, uh, as far as caring who wins, I don't care. Sorry. All right. Chuck, uh, talking about chucking the peel around, uh, that team across the way from your team that you love so dearly seems to have a really good one. Um, at at the quarterback position, oh, Josh good, Rosen. But we knew that he's a good player. I mean, the kid. The kid well, I don't know. Sh- Were you expecting 351 yards and looking? Uh, I mean, he looked extra good. Emil, you got to admit that. Oh no, no, he looked he looked really good. I mean, no, no, there's no doubt about it. He very, the poise was more of what what struck me for the first mm-hmm. game. That that's more of what I was impressed with. I mean, I knew he could throw the football. I mean, everything I've read mm-hmm. about him from a lot of people that I respect their opinions on quarterbacks said that, you know, the kid could throw the football, but college football littered with guys that came there that could spin the football and never amounted to anything. And, and you know, so I was more impressed with his poise. Yeah, uh, very mature back there, quarterback. And you know what? Virginia may not be a good team. They're perennial losers, sub-500 team, but they do play usually very good defense. So uh, that's not exactly uh, Hawaii or San Diego State that he went up against. It has a team that typically plays good defense. So kudos to him on that. Going to be interesting to see how he progresses through the year. Are they going to be like Brett Hundley? Who is is that going to happen over there uh, in Westwood? We'll, we'll we will certainly find out. We uh, you had a top five that we wanted to jump out here. I think this would be a good time to pull it out. Our top five here for the show, um, and it's one we always talk about after week one, and that's top five. Knee-jerk reactions to college football in after week one. What do you got for me there? Okay, we'll go backwards. We'll start with my fifth of my you know. The Texas shakeup. Okay, we're mm. going to change the offensive coordinator. We're going to change the coaching staff. And anybody who listens to the show knows I'm a big Charlie Strong fan. So are you. But I think Charlie's overreacting because, let's face it, your personnel stinks, Charlie. I'm not sure mm. if it was the offensive coordinator. You, I told you before the game I would have felt better about Cheryl Swoops at quarterback than your Swoops. Okay? Mm. You, you don't have a quarterback. You started two true freshmen on the offensive line. And... I'm not sure it's going to matter on the road in that situation. Who's calling the plays? I just think it's a it's a complete knee jerk. He's got to look more at who he's running out there right now versus what plays they're calling. That's my opinion. Well, I will add to that this. Um, I didn't see the game. I do need to admit that. But some uh, analysis from you know football guys I respect said they watched these watched the play calling and there was no rhyme or reason to it. You know, one moment you're in an eye formation, next moment you're in the spread. Nothing really seemed to set anything up, and it just didn't seem to have some rhyme or reason. Perhaps Charlie saw the same thing. Who knows? And and decided to make a change. We'll have to. But see. you, What's but you know what? That said, I think that you know when you. He has a point, probably, but the thing of it is, when, you, when you're when you a coordinator, and you know this, when you just know you can't block the other guys, mm. you're just trying to find anything. So the guy was probably That'll just work. doing, yeah, like, perhaps. poke and hope. You know, like, let me hope True. something works here, you know? 
True, true. Maybe he just ran through everything, and we'll see if there's something they have a hard time defending. That could, that is okay. possible. What, what, Let, what's let's next go to list? number four. It's the Texas A&M defense. Yes, it's improved. We saw that. Uh-huh. Okay, but uh-huh. let's not turn them into like Alabama of three years ago or the USC of 2008. Okay, let's let them play mm-hmm. a few games. They look good in an opener against Arizona State. I'm not always sold on Arizona State. They're not the most physical football team. They like to throw it all over the yard. And uh, so that's impressive because A&M could never stop that before. So I'm not saying mm-hmm. they're not improved, but I've just heard some overreaction where they're calling them the wrecking crew. They played a game, a game. <laughs> Someone called them the wrecking crew? Yes, already? yes. Wow. It's a, wow. They played okay. a game, and, it, and they played well. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Well, right. well I, it's like you said, we'll have to – Wait and see. I'm not sold on it either. Texas A&M has been all about offense for the last few years, and I think that's how it's going to continue. They're going to have to show me, so I'm with you. Yeah, they have to do it for a while, and then I'll say, okay, their defense has improved. Number three is the whole Ohio State thing. Okay, listen, they're very good. We both picked them to win the national championship. Okay, but let's not make it like uh, they're a historic dynasty yet until they at least win the national championship. I mean, can we oh, that's, no, are you kidding me? That's just too damn long to be waiting, man. You got to start your speculation now. Are you kidding me? Are you? I, yeah, I mean, I mean, do we have to seed the whole season to them on week one? And uh, before anybody says, but wait, they've got this guy, they've got that guy. I turned on a game and saw them losing 17-14 at the half to Virginia Tech. And make no mistake about it, that quarterback getting knocked out of the game for Virginia Tech was huge. Because the kid that came in, okay, couldn't throw a football forward. Okay, <laughs> so well, you're the you're the second, well, you're the third person I've heard say that, and I don't know that I agree with that. I think Amel, that first, you know, ten minutes of that game kind of just showed you where those teams are. Uh, Ohio State, a much better team than than. Of course than they are. Tech. They're not going to lose. Am I, got I'm, a am I here suggesting they're going to lose the game? Am I suggesting they're? I'm not saying that they're going to lose the game. What I'm saying is. The blowout came more in the in the form of Virginia Tech basically had no plays they could run in the second half that would work. Now that may have happened mm-hmm. if the other kids stayed in the game, but mm-hmm. at least you had a shot of a forward pass when he was in the game. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. Not a Connor, not a Connor Brewer fan, but anyway, all right. So I disagree with you a little bit on that one. Number two, okay, and mm-hmm. while we just acknowledge it. Kid was outstanding. Can we tap the brakes a little bit on UCLA playoff Kirk Herbstreet? Okay, you saw a game against Did Virginia. Did he say that? Yes. He said his top wow. four right now. He has UCLA in there. Oh, sure. They just beat Virginia wait, wait, at wait. home. Wait, wait, There's a key word in that there. He said his top four right now. Right? Right now. <laughs> Did, okay. now is Kirk saying at the end of the year UCLA is no, going to be in the playoffs? No, of course he's not. Okay. He watched a game this week, and that's his top four. But all I'm trying to say is tap the brakes, national media. Let him play a few games. Let him go on the road and win a game. Uh, I'm going to play the USC Trojan fight song right no. now. Just, you will Listen, not give the part of blue guys across the city The guy was 28-35 kind of for 350 yards. He had a great game. There's no doubt about he it. Did. He's a good player. I mean, he I'm telling play. you that can we just tap the brakes a little. It gets better, okay. though, because you're going to play the fight song here number one. Because I've read articles. This isn't just Kirk pontificating. I've read guys mm. on ESPN and CBS. Yes, I like the Notre Dame team. It's a good team. Again, no. tap the brakes on the college football playoff for Notre Dame. They played a game. Come on, home. man. You're not impressed by the fact that they went out and beat a Texas team 38-3. to 
I mean, it wasn't twenty-one ten. Thirty-eight to three. You're not impressed by that at all. Uh, no, I knew I knew it going in. I mean, you and I have talked about Texas. They have issues offensively. Do I think the kid that's playing quarterback is a good player for them? Yes. Do I think their offense will be a, a very good offense? Yes. Do I like their offensive line a lot? Let me see their defense first against a few teams that I know can move the football, and then I'll I'll be ready to tell you what I think of Notre Dame. I can't get a, a gauge by playing Texas. Texas' offense is, is, is high. You guys have high school teams down there that run more sophisticated offenses than Texas. No, I wouldn't bank on that, but go ahead. <laughs> okay. <laughs> We're all about athletes and talent down there, trust me. You guys okay, do well, backflips let me just say then you have offenses down there that are more dynamic than Texas's. <laughs> okay. Yeah, There's yeah, nothing yeah, at Texas. Maybe. Maybe I do. Maybe I do give you that. Maybe yeah, I do there's give nothing you that. But come on. I mean, listen. For for what you're saying here, man, Notre Dame might as well have went out and played butt naked state and put up. Not saying that at all. Like, what I'm saying is there's a big jump befo- between saying Notre Dame looked really good, we're going to move them up in the rankings, to Notre Dame beat Texas 38-3, they're going to be in the playoff. I mean, okay. Yeah. Well, uh, you knew as soon as that game expired, 38-3, that uh, they were going to be out polishing. Notre Listen, Dame. if Notre if Dame fields a team, they get ranked. That's usually the way it's worked since I've been a kid. Okay, it's been our reality. It's been it's been the reality for the entirety of my life. Yes. So if they field the team, they get ranked. Can, if they go out and they wax Georgia Tech in a few weeks, I'll be ready to be more in tune with saying, well, I could see them making the playoffs. They're playing Georgia Tech at home on the 19th. They do that and they really beat them up. I'll say, okay, now this is somebody I got to keep my eye on. Then they have Clemson two weeks after that on the road. So we're going to get quite a few opportunities before the end of October to find out if they're a playoff-type team that we should keep an eye on. But that wasn't one of them. You know, we've been so anxious for football for so many months that, yeah, the knee jerks are inevitable, and anyone looking good in week one is going to get showered with a ton of love. And when it's Notre Dame, you can double that, that's for sure. All right, uh, i got to get this guy back in here, even though we're running out of time here. All right, are you in a safe location? We don't have much time, man, but we definitely want to hear from you. What's up, Les? Yeah, man, uh, I had a little disconnection, my bad. I hear you, I hear you. All right, real quick, give me give me your thoughts on how it's going to go down tonight. Like I said, New England should win the game 24-20. Uh, should be a close game. I mean, it's the first game of the NFL season. You know, the NFL wants to make the game a competitive game, so I see it going down to the – the last minute, and uh, mm-hmm. you know, New England wins. Wes, do you right, think, Damel, do you think that the uh, refs will maintain possession of the footballs at all times before the game? <laughs> I, I think the feds going to have the, the, the ball boys and the referees under close vision. <laughs> I think those balls are coming in in enclosed glass today and will be like they should have a ceremony at the beginning to release the balls for the game. I think that'd be awesome. Release the balls. Yes. The releasing of the the releasing of the balls. All right, Les man, I'd love to have more time for you, but we, we can't, man. Call, Call us tomorrow. tomorrow it's prediction. It's predictions Friday predictions Friday. So join us then hey, tomorrow. Man, we, hey, we I was three and no last week, man. What happened? I can't talk about that. You can talk, no, about, you can it talk about it tomorrow because we're all three and zero, man. So um, yes, we will we will go on and on about that tomorrow, man. Give us a ring tomorrow. We're we're on at ten. You know that. I got you, buddy. All right, y'all be good. Bye. All man. right, all right. I gotta shove you out to sea, but before you do that, I need to know what you think tonight. 
I'm I'm calling for the Patriots. Uh, no Lavian Bell, I think, is a problem for the Steelers. I'm going New England mm-hmm. 27-17. Uh, I'm uh, with you on that. Le'Veon Bell is a big part of what they do. He gets everything else going, not having him as a problem. The Patriots are mad. I hate to go with the common folk on that, but when they're mad, they usually do great things. So I'm seeing something like a 30-20 to 20 or 30-17, to 17, somewhere around there. So we're in the same thing. We think it's a win and a cover for the New England Patriots. All right, my friend, I got you on again tomorrow at 10 a.m. Peace out. All of you out there listening, yes, be sure that you're here to listen to uh, my co-host and I as we lay down another great weekend for you. I'm not done, though. I'm coming back. Bud Elliott from Tomahawk Nation is going to join me here on the Gridiron Stud Show to talk a little bit of FSU football. Stay here. We'll be right back. Just, just a little bit, 
You think? Uh, you know, the defense. <laughs> yeah, Jimbo Fisher actually on his coach's show said that uh, he thought the defense should have had a shutout, uh, if not for all, all the special teams there, um, mm. which uh, speaks mm. pretty well. And I, I, after watching it, I, I pretty much agree. I think one time they got the ball on the 14 due, due to a drop punt, and then they, you know, it, it was it was a very well played game by the offense and defense that was kind of hidden a little bit by, I mean, just that's hard to have that many special teams errors in one half. Right. Um, and, and, you know, let's give Texas State a little credit there coming out full of piss and vinegar, as sometimes these teams will. They weren't all that shell-shocked, so they came in here to fight. They must have been feeling really good going into the locker room 14-10 to 10 against uh, a team like Florida State, you'd have to admit. Uh, yeah, let's I, talk I about that. So. And Texas State oh, – I'm oh, sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, you know, Texas State, just in watching them and watching what they did last year, they've got a pretty good Sun Belt-level offense. Now, their defense is horrible. But the offense, mm-hmm. I can say, okay, I, I can see how this offense consistently scores, you know, 35, 40 points a game in the Sun Belt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. so um, they did They did bring that to the table. So that would lead me to ask this. What about that Florida State defense? Because, you know, if you're a Florida State fan, you have to say that left, uh, if not much, something to be desired last year. That wasn't on par with what you would expect. We don't know if that's the loss of Jeremy Pruitt or the fact that you lost a lot of big-time players from the year before. So I know it's only one game, but what are your early impressions of the Florida State defense matched up against what they had in 2014? You know, I, I hate to be the guy that talks about improved leadership and improved chemistry and stuff. Cause a lot of times I think teams just say that, and it's it's kind of nonsense. You know, and that's mm-hmm. – I mean, pretty much every team says that in the offseason. You know, we're going to have better chemistry. We're going to have better leadership. But I, I actually think it, you should buy into it this year. Um, a couple mm-hmm. of the guys Florida State had last year who were their best defensive players were, were really not great leaders. And I don't think the defense last year played with quite the edge that it did in 2013, and at least through game one. And I'm very hesitant to make big-time sweeping judgments after just one game, especially against Texas State. Yeah, but that's what, we, that's what we're paying you for you got to come well, in here and sum up a whole season. They were out there. They were, they were hitting. They, they, really, they flew to the ball, and they, they, they gang-tackled. That was one thing I did notice. They gang-tackled, and mm. they played with more of an edge this game than I think they played with really uh, in any complete game last year. So that was good to see. And then they also they didn't bust any assignments. You know, you didn't see guys mm. running wide open. And last year, despite the fact they had two NFL corners, they would mm-hmm. bust assignments kind of regularly, and that was bad. Right. You know, so now, like, they they don't necessarily have as much, like, NFL-ready talent on this defense, but they seem to be doing the little things a little bit better, at least through one game. So that was encouraging. The, the gang tackling, the, the assignment sound, guys, you know, taking good angles of football, leveraging the ball. It, it did a nice job on that. Yeah, and sometimes that not having a whole bunch of uh, potential first and second round picks on your defense kind of sometimes will lend itself to better team defense. Um, so perhaps that's a little bit of what you've got going on at Florida State. So when you're talking about and that I, leadership, I think too, obviously. With, with, like, with, with like, you know, you have Jalen Ramsey there, and he's the obvious guy who's going to be early NFL, dra- early NFL mm-hmm. draft pick. He mm-hmm. doesn't play like he's trying to protect himself. Sometimes those guys last year did. And and he just right. for for whatever reason Jalen doesn't play like like he's trying to protect his draft steps. He plays like like you know like it's fourth and three in the national. There's a football game, game going on here. Yeah, yeah, I've yeah seen exactly. Clips, and I see him out there diving and whatnot. So um, you got to love that from from a guy like well, other than Jalen Ramsey, when you're talking about leadership on the defensive side, who else is kind of leading the charge with some leadership there that we may not really know that much about. 
Uh, on the defensive line, you have two fifth-year seniors who are, are finally healthy and, and guys who just kind of stuck around. And, and Nile Lawrence Sample, who you know, and, uh, and then also mm-hmm. Derek Mitchell, um, the, the kid yeah. out of First Coast. So they're, they're doing a good job there with leadership. And then also Terrence Smith, who, he's a senior linebacker. This defense has some seniors who are not necessarily like guys who, who are, are major NFL prospects, but they're, they're good college football players. And I think you need mm-hmm. to balance that sometimes. You know, it's great to have 11 NFL players out there, certainly. But if you don't, it's good to still have some upperclassmen and some experience. Yeah, no no doubt about that. Seniors do make things uh, a whole lot smoother for you uh, on both sides of the ball. But you love to have them on, on defense as well because, it, you know, you get put in situations during the year where uh, it's really good to have some leadership and people who could hold things together. Uh, when water starts getting in on the ship. All right, let's slide to the other side of the ball. Uh, this is probably what everyone wants to know about, talk about Everett Golson. Uh, I don't know how much you can gauge off of a contest like this against a Texas State, but the biggest thing for me is that there was a goose egg under that column that said interceptions. How happy were you to see that? Well, very. I think that that's the major question about Golson. You know, that why was he available? Because he had a terrible second half last year. Why would you take mm-hmm. him? because he had a great first half last year. Jimbo Fisher's job to try and get him to play more like he did in the first half last year and less like he did in the second half. So that was good. And I'll give you this. He didn't throw a single ball that I thought, oh, wow, that's a bad decision. And he didn't throw a single ball where anybody was even close to intercepting him. And part of that is certainly Texas State's defense. Like, he had a lot of wide-open guys to choose from. So if he had mm-hmm. done that stuff, I would have been pretty concerned. But uh, he didn't, so that's a good sign. And I'm most, I'm most happy with, I think, Jimbo Fisher has identified that the best players on this offense are the running backs. You have Dalvin Cook, you have Mario Pender, you have Jacques Patrick. Get mm-hmm. them the rock. He only threw mm-hmm. nine drop back passes with Everett Golson. Everything else was play action, mm-hmm. screen, getting the ball to the running backs. Right, right. Um, so, yeah, you definitely got a good group there, something to lean on. Well, that would lead me into the next question here. Listen, recruiting is a big part of this thing uh, in college football now. So, of the true freshmen that took action, uh, on in the game on Saturday, who who impressed you the most? Uh, I'd probably have to say George Campbell. He, he showed some great speed there when they were slinging the ball out to him on, on some of the screens. And uh, Durbin James got a fumble recovery and had a nice pass breakup. Uh, but pr- probably Campbell. And I, I think Campbell has the chance to to make the most difference on this team early, just because they don't necessarily have a guy with great speed over the top yeah, as, as, as a deep threat. You know, Travis Rudolph is a really nice receiver. You know, with with good speed, but he doesn't necessarily have that like four three speed. You know, mm-hmm. and and mm-hmm. Irvin Lane doesn't necessarily either. And both those guys are good college receivers. But Campbell, especially with all the play action, this team looks like it's going to run. Could could emerge later in the year as someone who could be that true deep threat, deep threat for you. Yeah, just he brings he brings that element to you, and it's always nice to have that guy that can scare the hell out of the other team's secondary. No doubt about that. All right, well we know the obvious games that would stand out to Florida State fans that. Um, you know, you, you'd be a little nervous about. There's a trip to Georgia Tech October 24th, and then there's the big showdown with Clemson on November 7th. When you go through the rest of that schedule, what game makes you nervous outside of those two obvious ones? Which one makes you the most nervous for Florida State? Ooh, I, I, uh, I'm going to have to say Louisville at home, I think, because it, it's, it's an interesting sandwich spot here. You have, you have Miami – then you have Georgia Tech two weeks later, but Louisville's right in the mm-hmm. middle of that, and it's Bobby Petrino, who you know is going to scheme a couple open deep shots like, like he typically does. We'll see if Louisville mm-hmm. can hit those. And their defense appears to have completely reloaded uh, with all those nice transfers they got from Georgia and TCU. So Louisville is a, a sneaky trap game and probably probably the third or fourth toughest game they'll play this year. 
Yeah, uh, I do have to admit that I was a little bit impressed by Louisville and how they came out against Auburn. Uh, they're obviously wet behind the ears at the quarterback position, and even with that being the case, they were still able to hang in there against this team. And to be quite honest with you, if it wasn't for a couple of uh, early mess-ups on some pretty good drives there, uh, not to mention the first play of the game, that game could have gone the other way for, for Louisville, and they could have walked out of there with a win against Auburn. you agree or disagree with that? Oh, I, absolutely. I mean, look, Auburn's a better team than Louisville. I think we both agree on that. But Louisville uh, showed that, that I personally think, especially given Louisville's uh, coastal draw, you know, because you, you get two teams each year mm-hmm. from, from the other division, they get Pitt and Virginia this year. Clemson and mm-hmm. Fort State both have to play Miami and Georgia Tech. So mm-hmm. if Louisville can, can kind of split those games with, with Clemson and FSU, they're going to have a real shot to win this division because they're probably not going to pick up any sort of loss from the Coastal Division. So they could be there at 7-1. and one, Or even 6-2 and two could create an interesting tiebreaker scenario. So Louisville is kind of a sneaky game that Florida State needs to win. Well, I'm glad that you said that because, you know, Florida State fans won't want to hear this. But Louisville is my pick to win the division. And that, that plays a little bit – of a part into it. Everyone wants to hand deliver this division to Clemson. And I'm I'm on Clemson. I'm one of those guys who I've, you know, I've, I've been snake bitten by Clemson before uh, as have Clemson fans. If they feel like it admitting it, but uh, they're going to have to show me. All right. Uh, yeah. Uh, Jesus has left Florida state to go play for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So Clemson fans think, Oh, well that means we're just going to walk into a division title. I think people are sleeping on Louisville. I agree. Now, look, Clemson, I would rather lose talent, I think. I would rather lose experience on defense than offense because offense is a little bit more – I know you're a defensive guy, but offense is a little bit mm-hmm. more about timing and rhythm and, and teamwork. And no, defense. I agree with that 100%. It, it, yes. You know, defense is – if you have effort and you have athleticism, and I, I can teach you some, some discipline, we're going to be okay. So, Clemson – you know, Florida mm-hmm. State lost a lot more on offense. Clemson lost a lot more on defense, but they still lost a ton. The, the one thing I think why people are picking Clemson – is because Florida State has to go play at Clemson this year. And that's a very mm-hmm. tough place to win. I think they've only won once out of the last seven times up there, which is pretty mm-hmm. tough. Everyone's pointing to that as the pivotal game. I, 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 know, I know that, but you know, I don't know Clemson if that is. Clemson has to go to Louisville next week on short rest. They're playing Saturday, and then they got to play a road game on a Thursday. There's no bye week in front of that. That's going to be Yeah, well, that's, that's definitely a game uh, I'm going to be tuned into to see how things are going. Well, listen, but as always – Football's back. I know when you're on the line here, football's definitely back, and you always come with solid information. So really, really do appreciate you coming on here and, and talking Florida State football with us. All right, Chad. Appreciate it. Take care. All right. That's Bud Elliott from Tomahawk Nation. Not only is he good on the radio, uh, good with the pen, too. If you know We're calling the pen in this digital age just writing, but you got to head over to TomahawkNation.com. Great articles, great insight. Uh, if you're a Florida State fan and hadn't been over there yet, I do have to question you being a Florida State fan. But if you're a mild Florida State fan and you just want to know something about what's going on with the Florida State Seminoles, TomahawkNation.com is the place to go. Great information. Uh, they, they, they do a really, really great job covering Florida State football there. So we're going to jump into a break. When we get back, we're going to have Nick Dilatori on from Gator Country to talk a little Florida Gators football off of the huge huge blowout win over New Mexico State in the beginning of the Jim McElwain era. We'll talk about that more when we get back on the Gridiron Stud Show right after this.
you love fantasy sports? Do you love money? Do you love excitement? Well, get ready, because you may have found your heaven. FanDuel has combined all of these great things into one amazing website. Turn your love for sports into money and excitement with one week and even one day fantasy leagues with a chance for enormous payoffs. FanDuel pays out over $10 million in winnings weekly to its members. That's right, $10 million. One member has made over $600,000 playing in their league. Another customer entered a one-day contest for $25 and, get this, cashed out $25,000 that day. FanDuel even offers a 100% money-back guarantee. Sign up now and join a league. If you don't absolutely love it, they'll give you your money back. You can enter leagues for as little as $1. For a limited time, FanDuel is offering a 100% deposit match bonus to Gridiron Stud Show listeners. That's right, they'll match your initial deposit all the way up to $200. What more can you ask for? Just head over to FanDuel.com right now and enter the promo code GRIDIRONSTUDS when you sign up. But you better hurry. The match bonus is going to end soon. Just head over to FanDuel.com and enter the promo code GRIDIRONSTUDS. Do it now! What are you doing? I'm doing some sweet bung sound moves. I'm a little better than everyone else here. Erickson, you must follow direction. You rack a discipline. Nuh-uh, I don't rack a discipline. Minasa, you all need more discipline. True discipline. segment on a gridiron stud show thursday talking a bunch of college football right now just finished having bud elliott on talking about the florida state seminoles they had the blowout win over texas state last week but bud giving us some pretty good insight on uh, how some true freshmen played in the game uh was really impressed with george campbell um if you were uh, missed that you can catch it later i will post a link to the uh, archive of today's show don't want to miss it. I mean, if you can't be here live, uh, check things out on the archive version. All right. Well, from uh, Florida State and Doak Campbell Stadium, we'll slide down the state a little bit, and let's talk about some Florida Gators football. And who better to do that with than Nick Delatore from Gator Country. Nick, how you doing? Doing well, Chad. How are you? All right. I'm uh, I'm feeling good. I know you got to be feeling good, and all Gator fans got to be feeling good after uh, the Jim McElwain era kicks off with a huge 60-point uh, uh, output and uh, a blowout over New Mexico State. What was the uh, – listen, did, is this true? Did 90,000 people to see Florida against New Mexico State? Am I correct on that? Hey, if you follow me on Twitter, you know I can. Uh, I like to be a little snarky. Uh, that usually started whenever Florida announced uh, the attendance last year because you wonder, well, Maybe if everybody counted as two people, that's what the attendance would be. But it seemed like the place was pretty full. Uh, it was definitely louder last Saturday than at any point uh, in the swamp last year. So I'd, I'd say wow. about 9,000 right around there. Wow, wow. That's uh, that's amazing considering LSU came to town uh, last year. So uh, very, very, very interesting. And I, I was not able to attend. I'm a high school coach. We had a game on Saturday against DeMatha. 
um, and so I wasn't able to attend. But from television, I, it looked like a pack house to me, um, and that people were pretty excited. What's the general? What was the general mood after that? Is it all right? This was New Mexico State, or hey, yeah, we got new guys in here, and it looks like it's going to be uh, a big party all year long. What what was the typical mood? Well, if you remember, uh, their last year the opener got rained out, uh, and then mm-hmm. there was. Gigantic, you know, 65-point shutout of Eastern Michigan. And, and the sense mm-hmm. after that game wasn't that, okay, things were turned around. It was, okay, at least we'll have a little bit fun, a little bit of fun on offense this year. That'll be new. This year, mm-hmm. uh, you know, even though you score less against, in my opinion, a team that's probably worse than Eastern Michigan, mm-hmm. the sense really is, hey, look what Jim McElwain can do. And, and I really feel like people – understand that he doesn't have all of the pieces that he wants on mm-hmm. offense, so he might not get exactly what Jim McElwain wants to do offensively this year, uh, but mm-hmm. you definitely are getting an excited fan base that can see that the car is pointing in the right direction. Yeah, um, and, you know, listen, I had, you know, my co-host and I earlier t- all talked about the knee jerk, so I'm um, a little tempered on that because, you know, again, it's the early part of the year to not taking on – the uh, best talent, which is typical for college football, but um, I try well, to, before I, try I get to, to responsible journalism, so I've been trying to temper those expectations as well. Just telling people, like, hey, this is this New Mexico State could be the worst team in, in the country. So yes, you see some things that you mm-hmm. hope you can do against the Ole Misses, the the LSU's, the Tennessees. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So try to bring it down a little bit, but the offense does look to be, at the very least, more competent than they were last year. Yeah, well, we'll get into a discussion of the offense there. I kind of saved the the what's what at quarterback talk to for the uh, for the end there. But <laughs> so let's jump on the other side of the ball because, as we all know, uh, Will Muschamp is heavy on defense, um, even as a head coach. So he's departed and. So uh, people, Gator fans, have to wonder, well, how will the defense be with Will Muschamp out of there? In your observation of things, how did the new defense look with Jeff Collins and uh, and the new staff running it? Well, I had a lot of angry fans uh, yelling at me on Twitter because Ford gave up 201 yards of offense um, mm-hmm. in the first half. End up settling down, getting those first game jitters out of the way, making a couple adjustments. Uh, New Mexico, uh, New Mexico State showed some things uh, in the first half that they hadn't shown on tape from last year, so I think it caught the defense off guard a little bit. But then second half, Florida holds the Aggies to minus one yard, uh, two sacks in the half as well. Started off at the very first play, Jonathan Buller comes off of a stunt, and gets in the backfield, six-yard loss. Uh, that really mm-hmm. set the tone for the second half. We really saw a vanilla game plan. Jeff Collins. Uh, guesstimated that he blitzed 30% of the time last year at Mississippi State, and Florida mm-hmm. didn't really get exotic with anything blitzing-wise. So I think they kind of – some of what you do defensively is dictated by what the offense has personnel-wise on the field. Mm-hmm. But I really expect to see a more aggressive Florida defense, uh, if not this week with ECU coming in, because they run a very spread, uh, quick passing game kind of attack, uh, which mm-hmm. – Take out some of that rush and that rush ability, uh, then you'll start to see it in two weeks Kentucky, and then as you get into SEC play, I think Jeff Collins starts trying to mix things up more and bring a little more heat. 
Okay, so we a little bit of a shortened playbook and play sheet on the defensive side of the ball. Hey, listen, uh, Florida went out and won their bowl game, the Birmingham Bowl, at the end of last year. But one of the awful things that came out of that game was Antonio Morrison tearing his ACL um, and kind of wrecking his knee there. Uh, there's been a lot of talk about his rehab and how hard he fought and attacked the whole rehab thing to get himself back. And it was great to see him out on the field. Did he look like the uh, 2014 Antonio Morrison, or did it look like a guy coming off of ACL surgery? Uh, you know, you couldn't. Morrison had meniscus surgery after his freshman year, um, and to me, you can't really tell any kind of difference as far as how he's playing. He's such a hard-nosed kid that I think if he had a full cast on his leg, he would still try to run his hardest. Uh, something that mm-hmm. Antonio told me, though, that I can really start to see is he said he's the least athletic of all of the linebackers. He's the guy that really mm-hmm. gets the most praise, but he said he's the least athletic. And then you look mm-hmm. at some of the plays that Alex Anzalone is able to make. On Vernon Hargreaves' interception, Alex Anzalone mm-hmm. closed about a 12-yard gap in two seconds, uh, really mm-hmm. forced that throw to be uh, you know, a duck that Vernon Hargreaves mm-hmm. is able to pick off. You see guys like Daniel McMillan, uh, the only player – who earned a penalty last Saturday. Uh, but guys like Daniel McMillan, mm-hmm. Alex Anzalone, and Jared Davis really athletically are, are yes. better than Morrison. Uh, and that's a, a group that I was worried about is, is looking like it could be a solid unit this year. Yeah, uh, and that, you know, that's a pleasant surprise. They're going to need that all year long. There's, there's no doubt about that. Before I get to the offense, man, how about that? Uh, the penalties, virtually none in this game. Uh, what's your feeling on that? Well, I mean, there were two. Uh, one was negated because New Mexico State also had a penalty, and then Dan Miller had one, I think, three minutes left in the game. And that is something that Florida fans have kind of just resigned themselves to. Like, yeah, we're going to be the most penalized team in the SEC. Mm-hmm. Been that way since Spurrier was here. Uh, but Jim McElwain really preaches uh, accountability and doing things right the right way, whether it's tying your shoes the right way or not hitting mm-hmm. somebody late after a whistle. Uh, and I think the way he's been preaching it is sinking into these guys. Last year, Florida wins 65 nothing, and they had 10 penalties. Um, mm-hmm. So where Florida has had to win despite penalties, whether fans have conspiracy theories, whether it's <laughs> the refs have to get them, you know, right. nobody likes the ACC refs every other year when you're in Tallahassee. Um, mm-hmm. But it comes down to accountability. Jim McElwain put an emphasis on that, uh, and I think you can see the guys responding to it. Uh, and one penalty in a game, that's pretty incredible, especially when you consider uh, there were no procedural penalties for a new defense with a new scheme, a new offense with a new scheme. And basically yeah, you got to love that. Linemen who had never played together before. There's no offsides, no nothing. No, nothing procedure-wise. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Kind of amazing. Yeah, kind incredible. of amazing when you think about all those things that you laid out there that you only end up with two penalties. Well, I'm going to slide to the other side of the ball, and that's probably where most of the action was for the true freshman, Antonio Callaway, uh, Jordan Scarlett, Jordan Cronkite, playing in the game. Of all the true freshmen that took to the field on Saturday, who who impressed you the most? I, you know, I kind of have an idea of what you're going to say, but let's 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 let you weigh in on that. Uh, of all the true freshmen, um, I'm going to say uh, probably Antonio Callaway impressed me the most. The one that surprised me the most was Jordan Cronkite. Um, mm-hmm. You look at his touchdown run, linebacker meets him at the two-yard line, and he just pushed him into the end mm-hmm. zone. When I thought 
about the Jordans that were coming in. I thought Jordan Scarlett uh, was going to be more of your bruiser. Yeah, he can make you miss. Uh, he's got the speed, but I thought mm-hmm. Cronkite was more of the, the, the scat back, the guy that was going to make you miss, maybe catch some swing passes. To see him run behind his pads like that really kind of mm-hmm. caught me off guard. Now I want to see it when he's going up against Tennessee's linebackers and Ole Miss's linebackers. But to mm-hmm. me, seeing him run that physical surprised me. Uh, and then obviously mm-hmm. Antonio Callaway is a guy, only a freshman, earns his first start in the very first game, his first college game. Uh, and you can just tell he has uh, the playmaking ability. The coaching staff has recognized that, and he's going to be featured this year, uh, even though he was you know, going to high school prom four months ago. Yeah, isn't that something? So, um, yeah, it was it was good to see that. And I think for those two running backs, uh, Cronkite and Scarlett, it's good to start off with games like this in New Mexico State and in a, an East Carolina so they can kind of uh, catch their bearings. But it was also good to see, you know, with all the talk being about these two guys, that Kelvin Taylor come out and have a pretty good football game and, and lead the way for those yeah. guys. I was excited to see that. Um, all right, so I've been leaving this one for last. There's this big uh, – quarterback battle that's going on me personally um i kind of thought this would be the case going into the game and you know i even joked with a friend that said yeah well, these guys are going to split reps what are they going to do about this whole thing when the guys go 12 of 15 for 147 yards a piece and two touchdowns a piece i nailed the touchdowns i didn't quite get the yardage right but essentially we we, we have a draw in this thing right now so what what's where do we go from here with the quarterback battle well, where we go from here is nowhere. We're in the same situation. I think we touched on it uh, last week on the show. Um, I mm-hmm. said I didn't think you'd see much separation unless somebody completely came out uh, and, and blew up. That didn't happen, so now we're in the same situation. A starter hasn't been named, but I think the kind of the way you saw the reps play out um, mm-hmm. in the first game is how they'll play out in the second game, regardless of who starts. Um, I could think I could see maybe – starting Will Greer and letting Treyon mm-hmm. Harris play those middle quarters just so you can maybe get Treyon in that two-minute drill where, uh, where Will really move the offense quickly and efficiently and gets a touchdown right there before halftime. Uh, you can replicate mm-hmm. a two-minute situation, a hurry-up situation in practice. It's completely different doing it in the game, and, and you didn't really get to see Treyon in that scenario. Um, what about this, what about this angle, Nick? What about this angle? Um is part of this evaluation also seeing who can come off the bench and play and play some decent football coming off the bench? That could be a part of this thing. Yeah, I think I think it is. I think really what McElwain, uh, obviously he's got his joke about throw it to the guy in the right color jersey, but I think what he really harps on and, and what he keeps bringing up is affecting the guys around you. Um, and mm-hmm. to me that was telling that he kept saying in scrimmages that Treyon was moving the second team better. Um, mm-hmm. the twos are twos for a reason, and if Treyon's getting more out of them than Will is, that's that to me is McElwain saying he's affecting the players around him better. So mm-hmm. I'm interested in seeing what Treyon can do with the second-team offensive line, what Treyon and Will can do with the second and third string tight ends. Wait, and, there's and a second-team offensive line at Florida? Sort of. <laughs> we we kind of just moved my... the starters. They just moved the starters to different places. That's the second team. Well, I I thought if something happened, all five offensive linemen, the D line would just switch <laughs> around and play offensive football there. So, um, interesting to learn that little fact. It, in 
is there any chance at all, any chance at all, we see two quarterbacks play the entire season for the Florida Gators? <clears throat> McElwain said that he could envision that happening, but if you look at his track record, uh, he's had quarterback battles before. They've gone into the season like, like he has right now, but he always mm. picks the guy. And I think people are talking right now about how many guys caught passes and look at all the guys that, that touched the ball on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Richard Higgins last year had 95 catches, and the guy closest to him had 35. Uh, there were years at Alabama where uh, a running back had, I think it was Trent Richardson had 300 carries, and the, the guy behind him had maybe 80. Jim McElwain mm-hmm. finds horses, finds guys that he can mm-hmm. trust, and he goes with them for a year. So he can say, I can envision that. Um, obviously, he doesn't want to – discourage either quarterback while they're still battling for the job. But I think before SEC play starts, he, he will pick one. Maybe maybe not before SEC play starts, before the Tennessee game. I think McIlwain ends up picking one. Uh, and yeah, I think if it. you're gonna if you're gonna pick a, a you know a horse to put the saddle on, you're probably gonna do it before the Tennessee game. Um, the qu- obviously, if you're gonna have to sit any one of these guys, it's gonna be a tough deal. It'd be a tough deal for Will Greer for him to sit after you know getting a taste of some action and and you know having some success. You know, provided that he continues to have some success in the East Carolina game and then the Kentucky game, if this type of uh, splitting of reps continues, yeah, I think it's a tougher deal if you ask Trayon Harris. To hit to uh, to sit, considering the the whole eligibility situation, he's a true sophomore. Will's a redshirt freshman. It's gonna be a tough deal if you're talking about sitting Trey on Harris. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I think you agree with that. Um, you know, there's no chance to redshirt Trey on this year uh, unless you know something injury-wise were to happen. Mm. Uh, there's no chance to, to redshirt him, and then it's it's really putting Trey on in a tough situation. Um, you know, that's, that's part of the job for McIlwain is you're being paid a lot of money to be the face of a brand. And with mm. that comes these decisions. And I know uh, he talks a lot about affecting the kids' lives and, and really wants to be a part of their lives in a positive way. But making decisions like this is just part of being a head coach, uh, you know, the CEO of an organization. Mm. Yeah, I guess that's why they pay you the big bucks, and uh, he's certainly getting a pretty penny to be the head coach at Florida. Well, before I let you go, I do need to touch on this. You know, depth charts come out every week, and, uh, you know, this. I don't recall this being a part of Ooh. college football when I was playing. I don't recall depth charts coming out. don't recall having to field questions on them. don't recall any of that going on. Maybe it did. There was no social media then, but depth charts – Came out, and the biggest story on that this week is Demarcus Robinson now being a third-team wide receiver. What kind of light can you shed on that, and what do you think's going on there? Uh, Demarcus missed uh, the team meal on Sunday, or was late to the team meal on Sunday, and Jim McElwain is big on you have freedom of choice, not freedom of consequence. Demarcus Robinson's consequence was seeing his name under two other guys at wide receiver when he's clearly the best at that mm-hmm. position, mm-hmm. when you talk consequence, I could see maybe he sits for a series, but Demarcus Robinson is going to play Saturday. He's going to play a big role Saturday. He's going to play the rest of the season and play a big role the rest of the season. Max Wayne was asked about that in his Wednesday press conference, which is the last one of the week, and he mm-hmm. kind of just laughed. Said, you guys really read too much into that. 
Uh, and mm. I know fans fans were freaking out on Monday. What happened to D-Rob? What happened to D-Rob? Fullwood dropped the pass and he's starting over him. Demarcus <laughs> Robinson fine. If Demarcus Robinson is healthy and if he's not suspended, he will play and make an impact for Florida. Yeah, I don't if you want to send a guy a message. A linebacker on the depth chart. He's going to catch passes for Florida this year. Right. Well, you know, if you're going to send messages to guys, it's good to do that in games like New Mexico State and East Carolina. I know all about that. Uh, we would get guys suspended back in my day, and they'd miss the Temple game, and uh, it was all fun and giggles. They're laughing and waving at the bus as we're going off because we all know we're going to play a quarter and a half, and this guy's going to have an epic weekend with the whole – not just his room, but the whole building to himself. So uh, <laughs> we kind of know we kind of know how all that works. Well, listen, man, uh, appreciate you having you back this season to talk Florida Gators football with us every week. You guys do a great job over there at Gator Country. So uh, appreciate you coming on and shedding some light on what's really going on up there in Gainesville. Appreciate it. Yeah, look forward to next week. We're going to start talking about some SEC opponents. So uh, I will talk to you then, Chad. That's right. Thanks a lot. Nick Delatore from GatorCountry.com. Like I said about Tomahawk Nation, GatorCountry.com does a great job covering the Florida Gators football team and all the sports, but uh, definitely great coverage on uh, Florida football. Take some great pictures, too. So if you're a Florida fan and you're into snatching up pictures of uh, the Florida Gators in action, GatorCountry.com is definitely your place to go. So we uh, really, really thanks. uh, Enjoy having a Nick Delatore on to talk about what went down last week and also shed a little, you know, insight on the uh, the depth chart situation there with Demarcus Robinson because we know so many people had things to say about it and I guess the, the world was going to end because Demarcus Robinson was now the third team wide receiver and we're hearing things like Callaway took Demarcus's position and da 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 da. So you hear all that good stuff on it. You gotta love social media where stories can uh, be created out of thin air and take on a life of their own. Well. Listen, it's been uh, an hour and a half of nonstop action here, um, and uh, we're so happy to have football back. So we touched on some college football. We touched on some NFL football. But you would uh, be absolutely out of your mind if you didn't join me and my co-host, Emil Calamino, again tomorrow at 10 a.m. as uh, we again talk some college and NFL football. And we also do – we also give – our great picks out last week. If you didn't jump on, you missed a six and zero weekend. My partner went three and zero. I went three and zero. Hell, our big guest caller, Lester Johnson, went three and zero. So you had nine winners that you missed out on. So you definitely don't want to miss out on that. So rejoin us tomorrow. We want to thank you for listening today, and we appreciate you making us a featured show on Blog Talk Radio. See us again tomorrow, 10 a.m. Same bat channel. Thanks for listening. It's a good Iron Stud show. Can you? What will be so limitless and free, desperately in need of some stranger's hand in a desperate land? To all you high school recruits out there, you want to get recruited by the colleges? Step up and visit GridironStuds.com today. we got college coaches visiting. We've got people visiting. We've got fans visiting. If you want to be seen, get your video up there right now. It's easy. Create a profile. Takes two minutes. Stop playing games. Get off of Facebook. Take control of your future. GridironStuds.com is where you need to be today. Visit now. Set your profile up. And let yourself be seen.
With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.